This is the Gary V Audio Experience. What's up, podcast? Happy Monday. Today's episode is a keynote speech Gary did at USC on April 16th of 2019. This is a brand new piece of content, so we're excited for you to get to hear it. Enjoy and let us know what you thought on social. Gary V up next. Gary V. Oh, the Darnold jersey. What's up, Jet fans? <laughs> da- Darnold and Leonard, I love it. I well, feel warm uh, already. I love you back, Mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everyone thinks that they already know you and think they can just talk to you whenever they want. They can. I'm like, uh, I, I love you back. I think the, I think, you know, social came along, the internet of evolution came along at a very good, you know, life is so much about timing. You know, I was born in the former Soviet Union, and if I was my grandfather, I'd probably be in a Soviet jail during this time of my life, and I'm not kidding, because both my grandfathers spent time in a Soviet jail. I happen to have the serendipity of timing where the internet came along and created a framework that allows people to interact at scale. I disproportionately enjoy human beings. I actually secretly dislike animals (laughs) because so many people like animals more than other humans, and it always breaks my head. So they can come up to me like, I like being accessible. People, you know, I like saying hello. I, I love the idea of like that one moment in time that I get to meet somebody. And so I'm super interested in meeting all 7.8 billion people. Um, and so, yeah, I, I feel that way about them too. That's good. I mean, you can, you can tell. And we're going to talk a lot about authenticity and being, you know, knowing who you are. You know, you, you came four years ago, sort of blew into my class sat up there, no questions. You know, some people just get out of the way because you just know that they're going to do it without you. And you gave a 45-minute talk. It felt like it was off the cuff. It was, it was so powerful. I mean, that really was like a great, I mean, anybody was here, it was really spectacular. And then you, years later, you gave us credit for like helping blow up your Facebook platform? Yeah. Is that really a good talk? Yeah, that, that talk, you know, I was telling some people right before Thank you for that invite, and, and it was definitely off the cuff. I'm only comfortable in improv. You know, I'm, look, I, I stay in my lane. I talk about what I know, and I don't talk about what I don't know, and that makes everything very easy and off the cuff. Um, it was an interesting time because four years ago, you know, again, back to timing. When I walked into that classroom, it was clearly the time where something had transpired in me, which was a concern that entrepreneurship was about to become rock star status. And if you listen to that talk, I'm coming aggressively, but it's out of love, not disrespect. I have, at that point, and way more so today, I have a concern that we're living through the greatest era of fake entrepreneurship. I I believe that self-awareness is incredibly important, and I do believe that the coolness of entrepreneurship has made people go towards that light that might actually be way better being a number three or a number six or a number nine. And so in that, you know, I mean, the opening line in the class was, I don't think entrepreneurship can be taught. And where I was going with that. So that's awkward, (laughs) he says. (laughs) And where I'm going with that is actually, I refined that message because it was the first time I've ever said it. I think of entrepreneurship so much more similarly to sports. Uh, I could be better at basketball, right? I could play every day. I could you know, work on my left hand. I could, you know, do things that I would be substantially better in a year and a half. I just never had a shot of going to the league. And I think that there's a big difference between being an entrepreneur and being a successful entrepreneur. 
And um, that's a conversation that I subtly found myself bringing to the forefront four years ago in your classroom. And then what happened was we got serious about Facebook on my end and we chopped up that keynote into a lot of different points and many of the clips from that talk went on to get disproportionate virality. So you were great, the team around you was great, the campus was great, the vibe was great. It was just all good stuff and you know, it, it, I'm really, really happy to be here again. It's, uh, it's great to have you back. It is sort of by, back by popular demand. We, we have a series every Wednesday and so I asked the students like midway through the semester, you know, if you have anybody, who would it be? And they started naming some people and then all of a sudden you felt this vibe just like, we want an influencer, we want social media, we want some of those people. And then someone yelled Gary Vaynerchuk and the whole class just starts going, yes, yes, yes. And at the time, sort of we started talking about it. So like, it might happen, maybe it'll happen. And then when it did, they really were pretty pumped. So there are a lot of students missing other classes tonight to be here. Best um, decision of your career. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm very confident about that. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get, we're gonna get into education in a minute. But, but first, I, the the thing that struck me with so much clarity, and you know, sometimes you hear something, and it's just the way someone said it a little differently, and it really was your message around self awareness and knowing your strengths. Could you sort of? Not everybody heard that. Can you tell us what you mean by that, and why you said it's the most important thing for an entrepreneur? I I think of it. In, in practicality. I, I don't think you get the same returns by overwhelmingly working on your weaknesses as you do on tripling down on your strengths. I don't know what else to say. Like, I re it's, it's so clear to me. I think so much of what I talk about is predicated on not only my successes, but watching my family members, watching that whole ecosystem of startup founders, uh, just watching. I watch a lot, I read a lot, of like people's behavior more so than you know books or things of that nature and so yeah I mean I just I, I believe that the entrepreneurs that have gone on to quadruple down on their strengths and then hire around their weaknesses have had much better success than the ones that dwell on their shortcomings because somebody they look up to was good at it and said it was important and they waste their time on something they'll never be. Yeah you, I mean there's, you could spend decades of your life trying to improve on some of those weaker things when really if you really just understood what makes you unique and what makes you different uh, and better, there's some things that you're just better at. And, and if you and, keep practicing, you get even better. And almost everything is a commodity. Like, most things are commodities. Like, almost nothing, in the scheme of things, there are very few things that matter. And most of the things that actually matter are predicated on emotional intelligence not on information you know and deploy. So, you know, I don't know, I just, you know, and then you get into other things, like when you talk about the current state of startups and venture capital and the whole thing, we're living in the greatest era of financial arbitrage machines, not actual businesses. Everybody's life right now is about CAC and LTV and hitting metrics to get the next fundraising round and has nothing to do with the end consumer. It's B2B finance game on the back end and that's why so many people are gonna lose. And yet you still think it's a great time to be an entrepreneur in terms of the ability to raise money and you know. Well, to me, it's not the last part. But yes, I mean, raising capital is a piece of cake right. today at a level that we've never seen. It's ludicrous. You know, the youngsters in this audience think it's normal to get somebody to give you money based on your idea at a $4 million or $6 million valuation. 
that makes me want to punch you in the face. <laughs> because for anybody in here who's over 40, that is a ludicrous concept. But that is what happens when there's an enormous amount of money pumped into the system on the back of us not paying the piper properly in 2009 because we're soft as a culture. And so this is a very fake entrepreneur environment. Like when I see entrepreneurs that are failing in this environment with how much capital, with how little it costs to be in the game, with the internet at full scale, like if you're an entrepreneur that's failing right now that's a year or two in, you suck. <laughs> I mean it, you suck at entrepreneurship. Doesn't mean you suck. I, I suck at piano. <laughs> but let there be no mistake. If you're 18 to 24 months operating a business in this environment and you're not winning with all those advantages, you're not an A. And I, I think it's important because you don't have the perspective of history for, for people who are 20 years old. You know, you're in a lucky time where you can raise a half a million dollars on a, on a an okay idea. What happened? In, what, what did kids their age in 2008 when they graduated? What did they have to do? Not do that. Yeah, they'd go get a job. Correct. Yeah. So it's a unique time to be an entrepreneur. You, you referenced that. Which is which? You know, gets into entitlement and being soft, and then people think their ideas are good because, and it gets it gets really convoluted. We need a correction. Um, you're talking about who's dis, a person who's disproportionately benefited by the cool factor of entrepreneurship, but I don't want that. I appreciate it, like, as you can imagine, like, coming on stage and getting this kind of love from the 20-year-old set, it's like something I could have never dreamed of. It feels remarkable, but, but I'm unbelievably passionate about over-communicating the shortcomings of an environment where entrepreneurship is cool. It's, it's the same way that being a professional athlete and a rapper is cool. Very few people can actually achieve it at a heavy, high-level success. So two things are, past, are important to me. One, I want to redefine what a successful entrepreneurship path looks like. Like, if you make $136,000 a year on a business that you run, that you like doing around something you like, and you can live that lifestyle, that is a remarkable feat. But that is not the picture we're painting of a successful entrepreneur. We're painting private jets and islands and all sorts of ludicrous you know? And so, A, I think it's remarkable. I mean, we, we need a level set. The 1% the earners in our country, one of the richest countries in the world, the bottom of the 1% make $420,000 a year. Yet, like everybody starts the conversation of macro big success at a million bucks. Like we just, we, we're, we're twisted. And um, we also have to talk way more about happiness. We also have to talk about what it looks like to have a scarlet letter of an L when your company fails in a world where you've never had a public loss in your life because you've played through a school system. There's a lot of things that we have not addressed. There are a lot of people right now that are flossing on Instagram as entrepreneurs who are gonna go into deep depression or even suicide when they take a massive L on the next correction in our economy, and that's going to be tough. It's, uh, those are sort of pretty deep things to start with, but yeah, if you, if you are... <laughs> You know, Gary dives right in. You know, if... You know, in, in talking about mindset and you're hitting, we have one of the leading researchers on purpose-based identity as opposed to achievement-based identity where people tie their self-esteem and their, their life to how, you know, results and success. 
you know, spoiler alert, you're, you're not going to be happy. And so finding a purpose and aligning with your identity, you're going to lead a much better life. You're going to be productive over a longer term, and you're probably not going to hit those low of lows that you talked about. I want to step back really quickly because you mentioned it, but I want to talk about a gear that you feel you have and why. And so for those of you who don't know your background, can you talk about your family, where you grew up, and how you grew up? I grew up really lucky in the fact that I had disproportionate adversity in the first decade of my life. You know, I was born in Belarus. We came to the US when I was three. I lived in a studio apartment with eight family members. Um, you know, it was super immigrant, right? We didn't speak English. Like, you know, my, my, my dad, I didn't even know my dad until I was 14 years old and started working in his liquor store because he woke up to go to work before I woke up and he got home after I fell asleep. I went on one family vacation in my entire life you know, or two, excuse me, two in my entire high school life, both to Disney World in Orlando, you know, stayed in the Holiday Inn. Like, we kept it humble. We didn't buy dumb shit. You know, like, you know, I basically wore liquor t-shirts my whole life through high school because they were free <laughs> from the liquor store. Like, the level of humility and a lot of my ability to not worry about others was predicated on circumstance. Like, you know, and I, I, I really think that I'm the beneficiary of very good parenting and very lucky circumstances. And those lucky circumstances in my mind was I was never handed anything ever, ever. And I genuinely, when I hear stories in culture of people thinking people that are trust fund babies are lucky, I just don't see the world that way. I actually think they're disproportionately unlucky. It would be my great devastation to end up being my children or my grandchildren. I mean it. That's just the way I'm wired. It doesn't mean they're wrong or I'm right. It just means that for me, the way I turned out, the chemicals in my body, the thought of being handed something or starting with that kind of thing where my achievements would always be undermined because everybody would say that it was handed to me would be devastating. That's the challenge of your next part of your life is raising affluent kids and keeping them on the ground. Oh, it's gonna be a piece of cake. I'm not giving them any money. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 grew up, I grew up judging Bill Gates and Warren Buffett when I was younger of giving away their money because I grew up in an immigrant family where you, like, you help each other and I judged them heavily and I was super wrong because I had no context. I was like, that's crazy, to a charity, like what? And now I understand, I want my kids to be happy and I do not believe that disproportionately paying for their lifestyle puts them in a position to be happy, I really don't, I do not believe that. On the flip side, kids love to shit on their parents for doing that, but don't stop taking it. You're, so, you're gonna get lukewarm applause at USC for some of the kids here are like. Their parents are they're, they're here with real, the parents. It was a, it's, a, it's a really important point. I've been talking a lot about, look, I hate, I hate when people shit on millennials because the people that are on the millennials are the one who raised them. You're, they're on the byproduct of what they've created. On the flip side, when I say that, the kids love that and they hit me up on DM, they're like, yeah, my mom, she gave me too much. <laughs> like, I hate, I hate it. And I'm like, and I reply and I'm like, cool, dude, so give up unlimited Uber. <laughs> Get off the payroll if you're so unhappy <laughs> but kids talk out of both sides of their mouth because they're hypocrites because they want to floss in front of their friends but what they don't realize is 
the quickest way to happiness is to stop taking the money. <laughs> it is. It's, uh, it, it, but it's a lesson, uh, it's it a lesson that you, it's, hard to le- it's hard to learn as, as you're younger in that age. As you get older, you it's see It's super it. easy to learn. You just have to realize that it's true and you have to start valuing the opinions of your friends. You have to start valuing it? Or stop. Stop. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought you said. Uh, yeah. I was like, that goes against everything that I think we're teaching. But uh, can you, and so why do you feel with your upbringing, and that, that's an advantage, why did you sort of always feel you, you, you actually told my class, like, I just feel you can't beat me, straight up. Why do you feel you have? <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. Why, why do you feel you sort of have a gear? Because, is it because you really enjoy the process and the work? I don't think anybody, look, I do not think anybody who goes to college and studies entrepreneurship can beat me in entrepreneurship. That doesn't mean it's right. It, and it's just kind of how my brain works. Like, I feel like it's a craft. Like, I, I, I don't think like, I, I think of it as a, we have not defied entrepreneurship properly. Here's why. Again, I absolutely believe people that go to school for entrepreneurship can get better at entrepreneurship from that process. I desperately believe that entrepreneurship is a talent similar to singing and playing sports and I think that I'm on that spectrum and that gives me confidence in this one little narrow thing of entrepreneurship because while everybody else was studying in school and like playing sports and doing whatever they were interested in, I was constantly entrepreneuring, right? And so I just have so much natural ability and so many years of practice that I feel like I'm on the extreme and that's why I'm confident about it. And so, yeah, I mean, chip on shoulder, right? No, and and that's the only gear you've ever known if that's what you've been hustling since you're a kid. You always look at what does a kid do when he he or she's younger? Did she have a paper route? Did she hustle? You know, whatever it was. And you can tell when kids are on the right track. And entrepreneurship is scary and you have to fight against the system and you have to see things others don't and you have to challenge norms. And I quit school in third grade. You know, like, I did. Like, it's super weird, but like, I started getting D's and F's in fourth grade. I consciously walked into fourth grade and said, I'm out. (laughs) I did, I did. And it was mainly because for who knows why, and I, I, I really have no answer for this, but I just remember, I mean, fourth grade, you're a, ch- I mean, you're a babe. It's a, it's a, it's, I'm looking at like other, fourth, like, <laughs> it's crazy to me that I actually had the thought process of, this isn't for me, I know who I am, I'm gonna be this, and I don't care about the periodic table. <laughs> you know, I, I want you to let, you, you, you I don't even know, know what the periodic table is. Is that the element? Molecular weight of yeah. compounds. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah, uh, but I, I think you, you'll like this and that. So at a place got see, and I, you're backstage in here. Like we have every resource available for for entrepreneurial students, faculty, staff. So incubators, accelerators, a fund. But here, here's the thing that I think you're going to like. So we've been saying this the last few years. So we're involved. I don't know the members of the football team here and the coaching staff. But like you know, some of the best recruiters of talent in the world here. We recruit now. We recruit entrepreneurs at USC like we recruit dancers and musicians and athletes. I'm so right the now. best people here. I, I'm so That would have been really cool for me. Like, I mean it. I mean it. Like, that would have been, like, that's super rad. Because, we, we, look, you know, it, 
students coming in with perfect ACTs and perfect scores, they may not be entrepreneurs are ready for that. They're used to perfection and they're used to doing really well. They're not ready to launch at 22. Some of them, some people are. But we say, go find me a kid who really is in, in it to win it. And like, bring us that person, even if she doesn't have perfect scores. Or it's he natural talent. Yeah. It's not even in it to win it. The, the SAT perfect kids are in it to win it. It's talent. Yeah. So that, if you, that matters. Like, I'm in it to win it to be a pro football quarterback. I'm in it to win it. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> and and I, I, we do not have the proper context around entrepreneurship. We, until we start understanding the level of talent involved in it, we will always undermine how difficult it is because we think it's a process. And that doesn't mean, I, again, this is why underlining that, we have to contextualize how awesome it is. We have to start putting on a pedestal, starting a direct-to-consumer, you know, jam business on Shopify where you make 183,000 a year because you love making jam because you and your grandma made it and like that being a massive success because you're happy as and you can live your lifestyle and you live under the means of 183,000 a year. We have to put that on a pedestal. That is when entrepreneurship can hit its golden era. This notion now of everybody building the next Instagram is ludicrous talk. Yeah, I mean, good friend of mine, a good friend of yours actually, I, I had a good business, uh, 80 employees, sold it to a public company, and I grew up, I grew up poor, and I thought, you know, you, you start a business to sell it. You don't, you start a business, you have a business to have a good life, and if it cash flows and makes money, I'd be very reluctant to sell it, unless you really think it can be obsolete. So like, you don't start a business to sell it, you build it Everybody for the long Everybody starts term. a business now to sell it. That is the culture they grew up in. Yeah, there's nothing like having a business that That's runs. why everybody's building financial arbitrage machines. They're just fundraising to the flip. Everybody wants to be 26 and a trillionaire and have a jet <laughs> and a baby giraffe. And <laughs> so, so you've talked about it a couple times. How, how do you, you know, the, the relationship between success and failure, how do you define success and how is it related to failure? I define success as waking up and being happy and being able to do what you want to do at all times. And, yeah, and as a parent, would you rather have your kids be successful or happy? That's an easy one, right? It's super simple. And like, and we, we, we are absolutely at an inflection point where there's people like me and different things happening where we're starting to have different conversations. Like nothing, freedom is what everybody's chasing but they're confused about what it actually looks like. It's not how much you make, it's how much you spend. There's a lot of people that could be way more free if they didn't overextend themselves on what they're buying. What's Keeping the most... up with the Joneses, yeah, uh... it is the poison of our society. <laughs> it is. So, so that's your definition of success. What's, what's the role of failure and why Again, putting myself micro in this... failure in the process Sorry? of. Are you asking me the the role of failure in getting to success? As part of it, if it's you know, you can, is it related? Is it a necessary part? You know, there. I put myself in a group of people who like you know, you don't want to fail when you're younger. It's going to be embarrassing. You know, you've had all these successes. You've done well in school. You've done wrong, and to have a failure. And now, you know, I think that's the one thing at this point in my life. It's like, did I take enough risk? Did I put myself out you there? You definitely enough? didn't. You definitely did not. Yeah. 
How like, do you? And here's how I know it. I, at, th- at least, th- again, one man's point of view, I'm not sure anybody is taking enough risk from 20 to 30. Yeah. It is the most interesting thing that I've been thinking about, which is it is never more practical to be disproportionately risky than from 22 to 30, yet everybody goes the other way because now they're the real world and it's time to prove something to their parents, to themselves, to everybody else, and everybody goes conservative. It is a huge mistake. We need to flip it upside down. Everybody should go ham from 22 to 30 and do a ton of ridiculous and figure themselves out. But, but, on your own dime, not your parents. <laughs> There's the parents clapping. So, so, how I think about it is, you should go and be rogue and get to know yourself and taste from 22 to 30, but you have to live by the ramifications of doing that. And the cost of entry of that is living with four people in a studio apartment eating dog food and not having fancy When you go and do that, but you're being subsidized by your parents, then you're living in a fake environment and you're super (laughs) (laughs) So, so tell us about failure and why it's important to fail. I love it. Yeah, because you've you've mentioned that you love it. I love it, I love it. I like micro failure. I like micro failure. I hate macro failure, like death of your business is bad. But, but, to me, you know what's funny? I'll use a boxing analogy. My favorite boxing, I watch a lot of boxing. I think boxing's a very interesting, and, I know, and I'm super into mixed martial arts, but I grew up on boxing, I understand it better. And I like watching it, because there's so many things that happen in boxing. First of all, what I love about boxing is there's nowhere to hide. You know, like it's super interesting, right? There's nowhere to hide. Number two, there's, some, there's a scenario in boxing that I love the most. There's, for some reason, there's nothing more interesting to me than watching somebody get knocked down in the first round and then go on to win the fight easily. It's an interesting psyche, right? And I like that, and this is what I'm thinking about it, which is like, here's what's bad in boxing and in business. Going into a fight, getting knocked out in the first round and losing the match, bad. Getting knocked down and then having the adversity to readjust to what you got caught on and navigating it to easily win a fight is remarkable. That's how I think about entrepreneurship. People, the reason so many people struggle with entrepreneurship is you have micro failures almost daily and they're very in your face. You can't hide. And uh, I like that. Uh, I like failure I, I, because I think I deserve it. I hate when people don't respect the game. When I fail, it means I up. And I like that because I think people get audacious. My number one thing that I hate about capitalism is that people use it and they love it and they're big capitalists and they love open market and competition and all that and then they become 73 and they try to use all their money to protect their money. They're not willing to let a young lion eat them the way they ate somebody else. I hate when they try to manipulate it. That's what I love about sports. What I love about sports is when you're 36 and you were once the best player in the league, but now you're getting a little bit older and your body breaks down, you are forced to retire. The one thing that entrepreneurship and capitalism has to adjust to is once you get old and you're tired and you want to be on a yacht instead of working your you should lose some money because you're losing. And, and that part, you know, we bring up so many great entrepreneurs and you're one of them too. You hear 
all the successes. And I think it gets romanticized a lot, just how ridiculously difficult, stressful, sleepless nights. And, and I do think you have to experience failure because you, you learn just the way the human being is wired. You're going to learn 10x with, with some failure than you are in some adversity. I'm actually getting excited here. Or let me, let, me, let me frame it up a little bit different. Or you love it so much, so much, that you never were able to do anything else and just the process of playing the game is the success itself. Or you love it so much that you actually don't give a about the trophies, aka the money that comes along with it. It's that you just wouldn't know how to breathe otherwise if you weren't in the process of entrepreneurship itself. I will never fail because there is no failure. The at bat is the macro win. If I lost all my money because I did 37 ridiculously bad decisions and over leveraged myself, the ability to go back to zero and try to like buy at the dollar store and flip it on eBay and build it back up weirdly excites me more than where I am right now. I swear on my children's health. No kidding. The thought of going to zero, having all of you judge me as, see, he wasn't as good as you thought, and then rising back like a phoenix and sticking it in your face <laughs> excites the out of me. I, I believe that right there is the definition of entrepreneurship. It's when you love your game more than what the game gives you. That's why I like losing. The game told me I lost. Respect to the game. That's why I like playing. I did this when, my friends, I was an entrepreneur when there was no conversation around this. In the 80s and 90s school system and society that I grew up in, I was a failure for making $2,000 a weekend selling baseball cards. Like, I did this when it wasn't cool. I'll do it now while it's cool, and I'll do it again in 15 years when it's not cool again because the economy will collapse and because we don't like to be accountable, we like blaming things, and so we're gonna blame entrepreneurship not the fact that you weren't self-aware and didn't realize that you weren't an entrepreneur. Uh, is right. It's, uh, it's funny. Last year, Kobe sat right here, and it's almost the exact same thing he said about practice. Like, he loves practice. He loves beating people up in practice, embarrassing people in practice. It's so much about the process, not the result. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Like... I, when people ask me what's your failures, I've got none. I found my place. I will do it in perpetuity and the gratitude that oozes out of my soul is why I put out so much content the way I do because I'm desperate to give back on something that I realized I was gifted by circumstance and I feel a level of gratitude and almost a level of guilt and a need to communicate in a framework that so many people in this room did not have the luxury of that North Star or the ability to stumble into their perfect place. You mentioned like, you know, coming back and rising like a phoenix and, a phoenix and, and sort of telling people. It reminds me of a story, uh, you know, a long time when, uh, now this seems, you know, uh, almost uh, accepted, but uh, when you were on uh, Pierce Morgan or something and Facebook just bought Instagram for a billion dollars, you know, the, the company's how many months old, 18 months old, 13 employees, and it sold for a billion dollars and people were just astonished, like how could Facebook overpay that much for Instagram? And you said famously on television, what'd you say? They stole it. They stole it. And uh, at the time you were big on Twitter, still are, and... Um, I got done. 
Tell, tell people what happened that night. What, what happened that night when you went home and fill the story out. I got out of studio, felt good about my spot. My mom said I looked cute, you know. <laughs> and I went on Twitter and everyone's like, this guy is completely lost, like just got completely destroyed. Like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Like, this will go down as a colossal failure. Like, just got killed. You know, and it seems ludicrous now, given that Instagram is the entire universe. Um, uh, but at the time, most of the people that were watching hadn't even heard of it, let alone thought it was worth a billion dollars. So the part that you're bringing up is... Um, What'd you do that night? You know, I read them all and favorited them. And then, <laughs> and then three and a half years later, went on vacation and laid on a beach for... Three well, days. first of all, well, wait, but then what happened though? Facebook bought WhatsApp for 18 billion, and you know, and it, it kind of put the light on Instagram being a great deal. It's even more obvious how great of a deal it is now. And uh, I got a couple of pina coladas, sat down, and replied to every single person and said, "Now what?" That's an entrepreneur. <laughs> it's, it's somebody who loves competition. I love this game. Yo, dude, you're leaving? <laughs> Respect. <laughs> so, so, to me, it's somebody who loves. That's a competitor. That's a competitor. <laughs> I, I love this game. I love it so much. I'm worried about how it's positioned because I think it's just, it's slightly mispositioned. I'm trying to be very, I'm, t I'm trying to take the responsibility of a lot of eyes and ears on me to bring this conversation because I think if we tweak it a little bit, it could be remarkable because I do think this is the greatest era of entrepreneur. The internet is remarkable. It's so hard for a lot of you in here because you don't know a world pre-internet, bless you. But I know a lot of us, <laughs> I know a lot of us in here as I look around, we rem like, remember real life without the internet existing and the, and, the, and the depths of what it allows us is remarkable. And if we can just tweak it around happiness instead of around success for others, it can get really, really, really good because it's never been more practical to make $100,000 a year selling something on the internet that you like, whether that's Star Trek memorabilia or flipping sneakers, it's super real, but everybody's going for a drillion when they don't have the talent for that, which is making them miss the 400,000 and happy, and they're gonna go for the drillion and miserable. And I'm trying to tweak that. You, uh, do you have a personal philosophy that you yes. could share? I wanna give more than I took. Because I want the selfish Selfish leverage of that. <laughs> Explain what you mean. I want to give more than I took because I don't want to owe anybody anything. And I want to pay back the gifts that I was naturally given because my parents had sex at the right moment. So, I've watched you... Uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, it might have been a big snowstorm in Russia that day and they, like, anything could have happened. I, I mean this. You yeah, know, this no. is one of my most viral pieces of content. I love that everybody's so into math and big data and quant and have not deployed the level of gratitude around the math of 400 trillion to one, which is the odds of being a human being. There's nothing you'll ever accomplish that's more remarkable than that you have a chance to accomplish something.
if, if we can lean into gratitude, there you go. a lot of good can happen. I don't know, I'm, I'm just super grateful and it is an enormous, there is no Red Bull, there is no soda or coffee that comes anywhere close to gratitude. People well, think I'm drug the up. <laughs> I haven't even smoked a cigarette in my life because my mom got Nancy Reagan, you know, and so, <laughs> so I just came to realize, oh, this insanity is predicated on gratitude. When you're so grateful for the at-bat, you're happy. But people dwell about dumb Yeah, the small stuff is so small. And people uh, like mad when they get the wrong milk. <laughs> like seriously, I go to Starbucks, you know, I travel a lot, you go to Starbucks and like, I asked for almond milk. I'm like, this bought a $7 coffee. <laughs> like, it's crazy. What does the matter with people? We need to start some sort of cultural rule that anybody who's mean to somebody that works at Starbucks should get punched in the throat. <laughs> like it should become a meme. Like it's the collective responsibility of somebody to punch that person in the face. Uh, we don't condone that here. I, I like working here, so I just I can't it. even laugh at some of this stuff. I don't work here. I don't work here. Punch people in the face. <laughs> I'm glad you made the point about gratitude. It, it, it really is... <laughs> it, it really is sort of central to some of the things that we're... You know, we've got uh, uh, Dr. Glenn Fox, who's a specialist in gratitude. He'll put you in, by the way, he'll put you in an fMRI machine, stimulate gratitude, stimulate different emotional states, and watch what happens in your brain. And he's an expert on that. It, it truly is. It, better outcomes, better life, better health, better recovery. I believe, it, I believe in it the most. It's, People's perspective is broken. I've been watching you just call up friends randomly now and tell them you love them. <laughs> it's really work nice. Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm like really, I'm on tilt on this gratitude thing. Like, people's perspectives are completely broken. And parents, sending your kids to a third world country for four days to build a house ain't gonna fix it. See, <laughs> so talk... I'm going to have some students ask some questions a bit, so why don't you get lined up, the ones who have already prepared questions, and then we'll, we'll open up. But line up, kids. I want to ask you, but I want, I want to ask you, yeah, exactly, line them up. Um, why dreams are important. And these people were picked? Uh, they're in class, and they wanted to ask a question. Got it. And then can we do more just randoms behind We're going to do that okay, behind cool. it, yeah. yeah. And, um, but I want to talk about dreams and the importance dreams? of dreams. Yeah. You have one dream that you have stated so often, it's almost as if it's, you know, not only going to be, but you tell everyone about it. I have a friend, Adam Chire, who was the architect of Siri and, and Bixby at Samsung. He's one of the greatest AI people in the, in the world. And he calls them uh, verbally stated goals. He says, once I commit to something, I tell everyone I know because that commits me and it also opens the world to sort of help me. What's your verbally stated goal? I'm going to buy the New York Jets. I'm coming, bro. You're young as You'll see it. It's 100% gonna happen. <laughs> like, I don't even know why it's so obvious to me. Like, <laughs> I genuinely think back to the world helping. I've, I actually believe, recently I had a weird dream, it was very vivid. The opportunity finally happened and I was in a great spot. It was like, it was like 20 years from now, I was right there, but I wasn't all the way financially there. And, I, and then 
I just, like everybody knew that the moment was upon us because the Johnson family was selling the Jets. And then the country rallied and go-funded the rest of it. <laughs> it's funny, I'll make this very USC'd out. Vayner Sports is a sports agency that my brother and I started. Uh, it's three years old, it's doing extremely well. We have 25 guys we rep. We love football, we're all about it. It is our passion. We had the great fortune of being in the final three to get Sam Darnold. So I flew, this is the second year, our company's like two seconds old. But because of who I am and because of who Sam is, we were in the mix, legitimately in the mix. Much to the like shock of like the sports agency world. So we fly to Sam's house, <laughs> I fly from family vacation. I remember Sam's dad calls and goes, it's this time, this is the only slot, this is when we're doing it. And I remember like me and AJ working on logistics and like the only way we could do it was I had to get like a private plane, which I don't like being bougie, but I'm like, this is the moment, like you know? So we get there and it's like the greatest and they're the best, I don't know how many of you interacted with Sam at his time here, but like the best dude and all this good stuff and it gets to the final moment of the pitch and we're just wrapping up and I look at Sam and his parents and I go, Darnold, listen to me and listen to me good. If I had my choice of Sam going with Vayner Sports and going number one overall to the Browns, and mind you, if Sam had decided to go with Vayner Sports, he didn't, but if he did, it would have changed the trajectory of our company. It would have like been disproportionate leverage, it would have changed everything. I go, if I had my choice of you going to Vayner Sports with us and going number one overall to the Browns, or you not going with us, but going three to the Jets, I'm telling God right now, I want you to go to the Jets. Aww. And we were in the green room because we represented Josh Jackson at that draft and he gets picked and I'm like, there's this incredible clip of Sam getting drafted and hugging his parents and me in the background looking like a weird stalker. <laughs> and like, he gets drafted and like I hug his mom like one second late, like literally she just hugs Sam and then she turns to me and she hugs me and she whispers and she's like, you told God to do it. <laughs> so. so yeah, I, I really think I'm gonna buy the Jets and I think America's gonna love it. Uh, I hope it happens while Sam's still quarterback because uh, you, you got a hell of a player. That won't happen only because, you know, I'm a marathon runner. Back to everything I just told you. I will not do short-term behavior. I need another 20 to 25 years, but I will do it. I will retire Sam's number. There you go. That's a great thing to say. <laughs> Students, come on up and ask questions of Gary V. Come hi, on, thank you so much for being here. Come on over here, come on over here, get in the light, say hi. Hi. Hi, hi. thank you so much for coming. Uh, my question is about the process of selling. So yes. a lot of entrepreneurs now attribute their success to how they can sell their ideas, themselves, and their products. Yes. So I'm curious how technology and social media have changed your process of selling and how you're still able to maintain a lot of close relationships when you're communicating with so many people at a time. Well, there's a couple things to talk about this. If you notice the way you said that, one of the things I'm worried about and want to bring up to the culture is selling their idea themselves, right? A lot of that is talking about getting funding. That's B2B selling. What I think is happening, if you look at a lot of people, they're great at selling to a singular venture capital because they can make a great deck, talk about their pedigree, but when their business runs, they're very bad at selling to the actual consumer. So for me, my whole world has only been about the consumer. It has nothing to do with B2B. 
It has nothing to do with anything. I will never allow anybody to have leverage over me and the end consumer. So my, my selling hasn't adjusted in a social media world. It's just excelled what I've always naturally done, which is engagement at scale and reverse engineering and asking questions and listening to what you actually value versus what my audacity wants you to value. Selling to a VC and getting funding is the furthest thing from selling to the end consumer. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, it's a pleasure. Mental health in the beginning, and you're known to be able to predict what's going to happen down the line with companies like Facebook, Instagram. Now you're high in audio content. My question would be what is your prediction going down the next 10, 15 years where our society is going to be in regards to mental health, and what is social media's impact going to be in assisting that change? So, thank you. So, look, I'm going to bounce here a little bit. First of all, let's talk about social media for one second. Social media is pipes. <laughs> social media. Impact is zero, the humans that put out content within it. Social media has changed nobody. Social media has exposed everybody. So there is no social media. There's no Ricky social media. It's pipes. So where I think we're gonna be with mental health is in a much better place. I'm so thankful that I get to watch this happen. Nobody talked about exercise in America 40 years ago, right? Like, like Jack LaLanne. Like, 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 you know what I mean? Like, so I think, it, I think the biggest comp to mental health is physical health in America over the last 30 years. Nobody talked about exercising. Nobody talked about eating healthy. So I'm very excited. I think you're gonna see a lot of consumerization around it. I think you'll see a lot of meditation. I think there will be a soul cycle of meditation. Um, I think we're gonna eliminate a lot of stigma, which is gonna allow for healthy conversation. I'm very, very optimistic what's gonna happen over the next 20 years. I really am. Great, love to hear it. Thank Thanks. you. Next up. Hi. Hi. My name is Piper, and I'm wondering, for many people graduating, moving to new cities, what sort of advice do you have for building a community and the right people around you? Being self-aware. You know, like, if you're an extrovert, it's a layup. Like, just go outside and say what's up. Um, uh, but if you're introverted, put in real work to create safe places to meet people. Spend a lot of time networking with people that you feel safe with, finding people to introduce you to in those markets. I, 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 I really think all of this is one big game of self-awareness. And if you're introverted your whole life, at 22, moving to a new city is not when you miraculously become a social butterfly. So you need to lean into who you are. And what you can do is spend a lot of time doing homework of people that you knew from, you're older than you that are in that town or a friend that has a cousin in that town and feel comfortable in your process, but the ROI is always people. So meet as many people as possible in that new place, but do it your way, not my way or the way that it's supposed to do. Do it your way. Great, thank you so you much. Got it. Yo. Yo. What are you about What's to up, drop Beat? <laughs> um, what's up, man? Nice to meet you. Real pleasure. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you for coming. Yeah, um, happy to be here. So my question is, how do you know when a business opportunity or venture is worth your time, and when do you say no when so many people would say yes in that situation? I think too many people overvalue their time 
when their time is worth nothing. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is my favorite one. Like, I love, when, I love when people are like, yo, is this worth my time? I'm like, well, well, and it's in a business context. I'm like, well, how much money is your business making? They're like, yo, I don't have one yet. I'm like, well, your time is worth zero. <laughs> so, I think people are, people are audacious with their time. They're fancy before they're fancy. So, everything's worth your time when you're at zero. Uh, you may bail. I'm a big believer of going, I'm in yes culture. My whole game is yes, comma. Uh, I'm not a great person to ask the no thing. I think there's people that are more disciplined at no. I just like the value of yes, and then if I'm a week, an hour, a year in, and I've realized it's not right, I leave. I bail. Because I'm not worried about the loss, because I'm not hearing anybody's opinions. I think, every, I think you get context. You know, the reason I like starting up and stopping businesses is because I like the context. Like right now, I'm super hot on this thesis that sports trading cards are about to explode again. So I'm spending an ungodly amount of, me, like I spent four and a half hours looking at qualitative data and quant data on eBay around Giannis rookie cards from Prism graded PSA 10. Four and a half hours. <laughs> I don't have like three minutes for people that are running like $10 million businesses for me. So I like saying yes because I know I'm learning things and then if I decide it's not worth it, I'll bounce. So a couple things I would tell you is one, we need less audacity, right? And we need more tasting. And so, and, the, and I know when it's time to say no after I've said yes and realized after tasting it, it's no. You know how many people hate oysters but have never had one? <laughs> That's how I think about that question. <laughs> Excellent. So when did you know Wine Library was a, a great vehicle for entrepreneurship and did you ever think about quitting? I knew Wine Library was right because my biggest goal at 18 years old was to go and work for my family business for a decade. I stayed longer to build a massive business for my parents because I loved them so much and I had to give, the, I had to A, give more than I took and so they gave me so much including life itself and so you know it was a brain twist of like how do I do this so the biggest thing I'm proud of on earth is that from when I tell kids to be patient they're they don't know my narrative a lot of times I as a 22 year old kid worked for my parents business for 12 years every day every Saturday gave up my entire social life during my 20s which is the prime took my family business from a three to a 65 million dollar business and then left at 34 years old with no money because I never paid myself more than $100,000 a year because I poured all the money back into the business and I own 0.0% of the business. Because that's what immigrants do. It's a different model, right? Like it's the family, when a family starts a business, it's the family business, and you don't get the business until the family dies. Like, and I wanted to do other things, so I came, I did my thing, I changed the course of my parents' financial life, the way they changed and created the course of my life, and then I was ready to do my own thing at 34 with nothing. So when people are impatient at 26, I laugh, because I only started at 34, for me. Because the first 12 years was for them. And so I knew that was right from the get, because that was my mission. Cool. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, bro. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for coming. 
Um, I'm curious to know, given that you have your hands in so many business opportunities and other interests at any given time, what do you think is the key to your productivity? Gratitude for sure. And I have a general thing that really works for me, which is I think 99% of things don't matter. So that allows me to not get bogged down by anything. And I'm a big fan of juggling 46 balls and being okay with nine of them dropping versus only trying to hold up one and making sure it doesn't drop. Um, so a disproportionate comfort with failure, enormous gratitude, and a perspective on what it all means in the scheme of things, period. Thank you. Yeah. We'll take some questions from the two microphones for a couple minutes. Yeah. How much time do we have left overall? We got uh, about 20 minutes. And good. Then, then we Can got we a couple things it? to say. Yeah. yeah no, we got a little more. We're good. We're good. We yeah. 30? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I, was, I was lowballing you. Nice. Yeah. Go, bro. <laughs> hey, what's up, Gary? My name's Tony. I appreciate you and your content. Like Thanks for coming. Thanks, uh, bro. I'm a, I'm a captain of the Marine Corps and a grad student here at Marshall School of Business. Thank you. Uh, the U.S. military relies on a clear chain of command to execute the mission. Do you have any thoughts on uh, veterans' culture and business? Meaning, I do have some thoughts, but I want to make sure I'm understanding the question. So I understand, like, do I think they map well post? Exactly. Tremendously. I think the biggest issue, and you know this, is depending on the nature of what their course was in the military or the services we're providing for this country, like how extreme is some of the stuff they went through. It, to me, the discipline and the skill set speaks to upper management in an incredible way. Doesn't necessarily speak to entrepreneurship, can speak to entrepreneurship, but the biggest thing is like people that went into combat versus didn't have so many different variables. Um, but yeah, I mean, people that are great at teamwork and being part of a machine make for incredible employees. Thanks, Gary. You're welcome. I'm gonna come over here or switch, alternate. Hi, Gary. Thanks for coming. My name is Bar. Um, hey, Bar. My question is: So you're always in the media, and you're a big social image. Yes. And I was wondering, on a day-to-day -day basis, how do you monitor your mentality and mindset to make sure that your thoughts and other people's opinions don't change the goals you set for yourself and who you are as a person? Um, I just talk to myself all day long. You know, like, dude. Other people's thoughts was, that went away a long time ago. There's nothing that happens in business, right, like of other people's opinions, that's harder than like having like, like peer pressure in high school and college and staying the course. Once I was able to get over like the girl that I liked wanted me to do something that I didn't want to do and I didn't do it, then I was like everything else was easy. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> hey, bro. I spent 10 years in the Marine Corps, too, so there's a program here, uh, and three years ago, I, I learned about you. Thank so you. I always tell guys now coming out and women that you should probably listen to four days straight of Gary Vee. <laughs> right? I, I say it all the time. Thank you. I, it used to be go to school, go to school, go to school. Yes. Now I hear you saying, um, you know, when you're 22, now is the time to Now's the time to lose. Now's yes. the time to, you know, eat top ramen. And long story short, uh, we've, I heard you speak once and this, this Marine stepped up and he said, hey, how do I get five minutes in front of 
anybody and you said you're a veteran, just ask for five minutes. If they don't give you five minutes, then you know they're anti-American. And then <laughs> I didn't say that. And then uh, I didn't say that. And then Tommy Knapp asked us to go reach out to some entrepreneurs, and I asked you for five minutes. So we didn't get that chance, so thank you for that. But I'm, I want to invite you. We're having a graduation party. The, uh, the whole veteran community here at Marshall, we're having something on May 4th. If you're around, come be a part of the team. That's all I got to say. So Thank you so much yeah, for the man. invite. You'll appreciate this. I'm away that day for my mom's birthday, but I appreciate that, and I appreciate your words, bro, and I appreciate your service for real. Thank you. Hey Gary, uh, my name is Raj, and hey, Raj. Uh, big fan of you. Thank um, you, bro. So I work in an emergency room. Okay. Um, see people like, I mean, down the daily, people get paralyzed from yes. things that don't even happen. You know, isn't their fault. Right. Uh, my dad grew up with polio. My mom had a brain aneurysm, almost died when I was like in the first grade. So help for me is number one, um, and I see people. Me too, but complain all the time You're about preaching. everything. Dude, I don't even give a about entrepreneurship or business. Yeah. No, 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 yeah, I'm being I agree. dead serious. I love what I do, but like, I could buy the Jets tomorrow and then get a text that my kids and wife were hit by a bus and died, and do you think I'd be pumped that I own the Jets? What's the matter with people? Yeah. No, no, I agree. I, dude, I think health is number one. Like, you should be, you're, you're set, bro. You won, Raj. I'm being dead serious. Yeah. If you actually internalize the perspective between your parents and what you see day to day, you should be happy in perpetuity. No, I am, dude, I, it's weird, but I wake up, no, 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 I, I wake up every morning and pray and, and say whatever's out there, thank God I am alive and my family's alive. That's the most important thing to me. On everything, I wake up every... I'm, I'm being real. <laughs> Nothing on earth scares me because every time I wake up and somebody didn't call me in the middle of the night, right, mm -hmm. like I'm super pumped too. I wake up every morning fired up because I'm like, another day that something atrocious didn't happen to the nine people that I love the most. I mean it. Mm -hmm. Guys, perspective is the game. Yeah. Like, realizing what we're talking about and then realizing the reason you shouldn't value everybody's opinions is because they don't actually give a f about your life. They're worried about their own. Like, get off your high horse. Nobody gives a f about what's going on with you. Yeah. No, like, I, that's a I, good I way to think about it. So the cool, dude, so you've won life. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I bring this up because, dude, I see so much, like, and I don't know, it might just be my, like, surroundings, but I see so much negativity, and I just, like, my goal in life, honestly, is to bring as much positivity as I can to everyone around me. So just put out the content. I, do that daily. How can I, like, do that, like, do it. like crazy? Just post. Like, yeah. Post positive perspective. Yeah. Like, less swans and blow up swans and pools and more positive. No, no, you're right. What do you mean, how can you? Nobody followed me either. I start, bro, everybody starts with zero followers. Yeah. What do you mean, how can you? Take your phone, turn the camera around, hit record, and say some positive. And post it. I'm, uh, let me do, do this it right, right now. now. Let me do, do it right, right now. now. <laughs> hey. 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 Live life, bro. Yes. I love you so much. I love dude. you back. Yes. Wow. 
Thank you so much, dude. You're awesome. I love you. Just post it. <laughs> I'm posting it. I'm I'll share that. Instagram everything. Man. I'm gonna share it and change Seriously, your life. I love life. you so much. I, love I wish you. More. I wish you the best in life. You too. Hi, Gary. Hello. So, <laughs> follow that. <laughs> so, I have a question for you. By the way, this dude gave me a book that is like literally the textbook of my brain. I've literally not stopped thought, thinking about it and like literally have done this entire interview, kissed that dude, did everything, and still have not been able to comprehend that I've never seen my thoughts in textbook form and you just handed it to me in that room an hour ago, and I'm freaking the out because I generally think we're gonna put it out. I think so too. I think it's gonna bridge the gap between your content and people contextually. I, I agree. I'm very capable at the macro, but the reason I couldn't get into a school like this is I'm not interested in the micro. You put it into the micro. Thank you. Thank you. And everybody learns different, right? Like, I learned my way, but like for a lot of people, what you did is, I can't wait to like really analyze that. Go ahead, what's your question? So, you talk about putting out content and the importance of it for startups and companies and, you know, so my question is, there's different ways to do that, right? Yes. There's the documentation way where you like, like record yourself yep. and put it on all the different platforms, yep. which is a little bit more long-term building brands, yes. right? And then there's creating content for like ads, video ads yep. and everything, right? So I know the end goal is to do all of it and do it at scale and do it on every platform yes. as much as possible, yes. right? So how would you choose in the starting steps? Pick one. Just pick one and, and it doesn't matter. Like you know what's the best about picking one? You'll never know the alternative anyway. Cool. Pick one. Done. Already done. Flip cool. a coin. Done. Like Thanks, people, Gary. you know what I mean? Like everybody here is thinking about like these three options. Like, right, like, pick one because there's no chance you'll ever know what would have happened anyway. I passed on Uber twice in the angel round, right? So right now, based on what's about to happen, I probably passed on $800 million, right? Nice solid track to the Jets. <laughs> but the reason I'm super pumped about it is cool, looks bad on my P&L, but maybe if I did that, different things would have happened and different speeches and different opportunities and maybe I would have been in London on a day that I wasn't and I would have been hit by a bus and I'd be dead as <laughs> That's why you just pick one. Done, I love you. I love you more. Hey Gary, thanks for coming out. Yep. Um, my name's Anir, and my question for you is, what is your best guess on how the next economic collapse is gonna play out? My, um, my, it's my, hope, it's, my mm -hmm. hope is it's based on the college debt crisis. Oh yeah, I was gonna say that. My okay. hope. Because then we're gonna blame colleges, which is wrong, because we need to be, look, be becoming accountable, but I think it'll bring a healthy conversation to the top. But I have, I have zero clue. Ma like macro global economic, if I knew I would sell all my the day before and rebuy all that the next day. Fair enough, thank yeah, you. Yeah, you got it. thank you.
So Gary, hey, I'm a big fan. Uh, Thank you. I was exposed to you in 2017 uh, while I was on the Marine Corps, and I was really debating of re-enlisting. Read your book, I asked Gary Vee, decided not to, I'm glad I didn't. Um, my question is on networking. Uh, we started a, a club here called the Canna Club and the Trojan Cannabis Network, so it's obviously centered around cannabis. This room is full of leaders, including my partners, Joseph and Annette, that's up there. What uh, up, Annette? Uh, do you have any, um, as far as leadership, do you have any uh, uh, type well, of, of um, like... Tips? Tips, you know, like for networking, like throwing, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's I, right. I'm sorry, man, I, li I listen to you every single Dude, morning. Dude, I'm so though, flattered. So I'm like, you don't have to be sorry. Like, Look, he, my biggest thing about leadership is uh, people are confused about leadership. When you're a leader, you work for everybody else. They don't work for you. Yeah. I'm the CEO of a company that has 1,000 employees, which means I have a thousand bosses and I actually genuinely believe that. It's not like a cliche headline. Got it. Like you're in the listening business. Yeah. Your job is to put everybody in a position to succeed. So what would be your uh, a great, like an event, like as if you were a student, what would you want as a student? At an event? Like, at an event, like for a networking event. Like alcohol. <laughs> I mean, there's no one size fits all, right? This yeah. goes back to why listening works. Some students want it to be a gateway drug to a job. Others want it to be a gateway drug to funding. Another yeah. person wants it to be a gateway drug to another hookup. I don't know. Like, there's a lot of different things people want out of a networking event. I think that the job of creating a networking event is to bring value to seven different psychographic cohorts instead of one. Okay. I appreciate that. Thank you, Gary. You got it. Hi. Hey, Jess. I was curious about your partnership with K-Swiss, the okay. shoe you made. Yes. Just what was the idea behind that and what's come out of it? I get a cold email from the K-Swiss president and it says, we'd like to do a Gary Vee sneaker. So I thought, at, when I read it, I was like, I wonder if they think, because I started really exploding on Instagram and I was like, is this like an influencer deal? Like, am I gonna, like, I don't do that. But, I, but the way it was written, I'm like, are these talking about my signature on an actual sneaker. So I met Barney in a, in a cafe in LA and he was like, look, we think entrepreneurship's the next pillar. We can't compete with Nike with athletes. We can't compete with Adidas with culture and Yeezy right now. We think that you're, you could be the face of a sneaker that does well. For me, it worked because I want to refurbish iconic brands in my career. So K-Swiss was an iconic brand when I was a kid. Uh, and so it was super interesting. We were able to put the deal together and it's been a monster hit for K-Swiss and for me. Like, when you're, a, when you're an 80s, 90s Jersey baby and, and like you grow up when the signature sneaker thing happened, the, I mean like this is, it's so insane to me that people wear sneakers with my signature on it. Uh, it's super fun more than anything else. Um, and I've learned a lot about refurbishing iconic brands which will service me well. It was much more for me to have another taste at, I, I remember when I did it, there was two very big different camps. One that thought it was super cool and one thought that it was gonna be a colossal failure and be bad for me. But back to some of the themes I've said to you tonight, it was a win for me from day one because I was gonna learn for something that I wanna do later. And if it was a colossal failure, it was just gonna be a fun joke for me and my friends of that one time when I thought was an idiot and thought I could sell sneakers. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, how's it going, Gary? Uh, from one New Yorker to another, thank you for stopping by. You got it. So uh, my question is about happiness. Yeah. 
So Henry David Thoreau's got a quote that okay. uh, most men live in quiet desperation and they do so till the day they die. Okay. Um, is it basically just as simple as just trusting your gut? Yes. Okay. That, that's just all I wanted to know. So. Because I think trusting your gut sounds more like dying on your own sword. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just want to lose my way. Okay. Do you Thanks. understand? No, no, I get it. I like, get it. Yeah, I, yeah. I want to lose my way. If I'm going to lose, I want to lose my way, not the way somebody told me to do it, because then you lost twice. How many times you guys have lost twice? It sucks. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Hey, Brandon. Uh, I think we live in this really interesting time where everybody wants to better themselves without looking at themselves. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah. But I also think it kind of like shows up in entrepreneurship where you see all these people with all these quick tips and these nuggets, right? You know, take a cold shower every morning or do this stretch to it. It's all in my opinion. Um, so I'm curious, in this social media age, how do you remain authentic while also pitching new ideas and trying to make people's lives better? By speaking your truth. It's really easy to be authentic. Don't say you don't believe in. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and, and you know why this is important, and you'll appreciate this. In a world where people are, are pandering to vanity metrics, you know how many people hit me up, they're like, Gary, I want to be this, and, and I'm trying to do this on my social media, and then I'm like, then don't put up half-naked pictures on your Instagram. And they're like, yeah, but that gets more likes. And I'm like, you're an idiot. <laughs> like, you just told me you're unhappy and you want this to happen, but you're pandering to likes on a platform that's not going to be as relevant in a decade? Like, remember when people used to get, remember when you were in junior high and you got, or for you, like, third grade? That, you guys are so young. For the older people here, Remember when somebody took you out of your top eight on MySpace? Like, <laughs> that used to really hurt. It doesn't hurt as much now. You got it. Hey, Gary, I'm Jackie. Hey, Jackie. Um, I actually quit my job, my corporate job, six figure, and I wanted to do what I wanted to do and pursue, and I, everyone around me kept telling me I made a mistake. Right. So I was living my truth, um, really excited doing what I was doing, but then I kept listening to everything, everyone around me, and I started feeling regret yes. for pursuing what I really loved, and yes. I started listening to those voices and fell into yes. deep depression yes. um, to the point where I ended up losing everything. Yes, makes all the sense um, and then in the I, world. I stumbled upon your content, and it started to motivate me to get back on my feet. I'm at ground zero right now. What advice do you have for me? Don't listen to them again. That's the only, you were on your way. You let insecurity and valuing others' opinion you up. What if it's constantly in your face and you're doing stop, everything you can? Stop talking to your parents as much. <laughs> I'm being serious. This is one big game of what you're listening to. And if your parents or your loved one or your spouse or your best friend's unhappy, they're going to subconsciously or consciously make you unhappy. Misery loves company. The end. One last thing. I saw you in Dallas four weeks ago at We Live. I don't know if you remember the wholesaling event. Yep. Um, I missed my opportunity to take a picture with Let's you go. and I said I was never gonna miss that again. Your content is giving me motivation to keep going and I really appreciate you, what you, you're doing. You have it in you 
already, you just let people that are losing get you into a wrong place. And even if those are people that you love the most, you need to mitigate how much you're listening to them. If they're constantly in your face, get out of their face. And I quit my job because I hated what I was doing, and I actually love what I'm doing, but I listen to others. Losing so players lose. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, hey Gary, uh, my name's Alex. Uh, first of all, I really want you to buy the Jets. <laughs> I would be like the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> Thanks, uh, this is nerve-wracking. Um, uh, a few weeks ago, you, yes. post, you posted like this really beautiful tribute to Nipsey Hussle, uh, like <clears throat> a beautiful video. Uh, and and I've and I followed you for maybe a year or so, and I didn't, I wasn't aware of the relationship you two had, and I was wondering if you could speak to just that and how who Nipsey was as both an entrepreneur and as a man. Nipsey would be giving his version of the exact stuff that I'm saying right now. He was a pure energy that genuinely wanted other people to win. Uh, he was immensely talented. He was hardworking. He was patient. He cared about legacy, he cared about others. And um, it's a devastating loss for me personally. Um, it really is. I really liked him a lot in a way that I didn't feel about others. And I think for a lot of people here who didn't really know Nipsey as well, when this went down, I'm sure you probably were caught off guard by how it hit so many people that you did know about. And that, only, that reaction only happens when somebody's truly authentic and like as a genuinely good force. Um, and he had his shortcomings and we all do. Um, he was a special dude. I'm, I'm, it's really like tough, man. Mm -hmm. Like I'm really, really genuinely sad that the world misses out. And then I get optimistic and think he now, because of this tragedy, becomes bigger than he ever could have been without it and all that kind of stuff. And um, if you listen very carefully to him, he had it figured out. Absolutely. And uh, you were mentioned earlier uh, about how you prefer marathons over sprints. And I know that was like a huge thing for like per, for his methodology was that the marathon continues and whatnot. So he was um, a special dude. It's a big loss. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Hi, uh, my name is Anmol. And first of all, thank you for coming. Um, Thanks for having me. I have a quick question. I came all the way from India. Uh, to the US so that I could get a special, specialized degree in a master's program in data science. And the thing was that you come here, you get into a good company, get the experience, and then you start something of your own. In my mind and my family's mind, that's the correct way to go. But when I look online and social media, everybody seems to be demonizing going to college and getting a specialized technical degree because if you do that, oh, you don't have the entrepreneurial spirit because you would have just quit and started. Them. <laughs> So what's your thought on that? And do you believe don't, that this is the right don't, path to don't, take? Don't listen to me or them. Listen to yourself. <laughs> Just because entrepreneurship's popular now, you would have been super right when I was your age. If you're super wrong now, you'll be super right in 20 years. This goes in circles. Most of the entrepreneurs that I see, even back in my country who I know, they are mostly people who are flexing on Instagram, creating a brand around it, and then using it to get more followers who pay more. For, is it something of a circle that they've created? But I feel that I'm more technical and I have an actual 
physical Bro, value to give than to just create Instagram posts. You'll be flex. You'll, you'll, you'll. Let me tell you how it's gonna happen. It's the same way that so many of my friends flexed on me when I was your age. They flexed on me because they got a degree and got a six-figure job and got a BMW. They're gonna flex in the short term. You're gonna flex in perpetuity. Hopefully, yes. <laughs> yes. But that's on you. <laughs> that has nothing to do with me, your parents, America, India, and the fake flexors on Instagram. You winning is you. All right. Thank you. Hi, Gary. How are you? My name is Shiva. Uh, I'm a great fan of you. I've been thank following you. you for a while. Thank you. Years. I want to thank my friend who gave me this opportunity to come and meet you. That's very nice of you uh, to thank him. I'm, I'm, uh, I've been in entrepreneurship for the last 15 years, and I've failed in two startups. And now I'm on my third startup. And uh, we launched two weeks back. So I've been in an entrepreneurial journey where I have seen a lot of failures. I made my million bucks, but I failed. And then again, I'd never gave up. Uh, but the thing, my question to you, I've got two questions for you. The first thing is like, I've got a family and I've been always hustling. Like, I, I believe in what I do. And even now what I'm doing, I completely believe in what I'm doing. Love. So am I doing justice to my family? Uh, because, you know, they're also going through this struggle, which I'm going through, staying away from the family, working for this. Let me ask you a question. Are you capable of getting a job? Yeah. Well, then the question becomes very simple. If you're capable of getting a job, you need to speak to your family and ask them. Like, like to me... They are supporting me. Well, then, then... But it's just like, to, it's my feeling, like, am I doing justice or, like, or am I being selfish? Like, of course you're being selfish. Yeah. You should be selfish. Everybody should be selfish. And you should be selfless. You should carry both those contradictions in parallel. I'm giving everything I should give to my family. I'm giving my 100%, but still, you know, I'm, I'm staying away from the family. I'm focused more on my business. My friend... My friend, there's plenty of people that are spending tons of time with their family and bringing their family no value. Uh, <laughs> I'm serious. I love when people hit me up, they're like, Gary Vee, whatever. Like, I come home at 6 p.m. Like, you're always traveling. Like, I'm, I'm doing what's right. I'm like, and I reply, I'm like, your family might not like that you're home. Yeah, yeah. There's, I have a lot of high school friends that judge me, no. right? Real quick. Like, yeah. Showing your children how to live is the most important thing you can do. Yeah, yeah, I completely believe in that. Well, good. Yeah. And Being home at six and making pretend that you're happy with that is not going to work. Basically, I'm from India, so I'm traveling and staying away from home for, a, for long, like long months. It's kind of like, you know? Bro, that goes down to you and your family, not me, not anybody here. If you and your family are cool with that, yeah. then you won. And if not, then you lost. I understand. That's you communicating to them. I understand. I have no context on that. But what I can tell you, much like I told the last gentleman, this is all one big game of one. One. Your circumstances, your life, not what worked for me. I tell you what worked for me and hope that it could be a framework for you to have a proper conversation with yourself, just like other people can share what worked for them. This is one big game of self-awareness. If that works for you and your partner, then you won. Yeah, she does. Well, then you won. Thank you, Gary. I'm You're very welcome. happy. This is my third startup, so I hope I'm definitely I'll be successful. Thank you, Good Gary. luck, brother. Thank you. What's up, man? Is that an Atari hoodie? Fresh.
for sure. Good. For sure. Six dollars, Goodwill. I'm feeling it, man. For I sure. love Goodwill. For sure. For sure. Uh, name's Toby. I'm really interested in um, the, com the combining of, um, of culture um, and entrepreneurship, especially with the surge of financial literacy and um, in hip hop, uh, as of recently, you know, 21 Savage, late and great Nipsey Hussle, um, you know, and the whole thing he did with the Marathon Store and, and um, Andrew Sandu. Um, so really just interested in trying to get into that. Okay. Uh, me and my friends, we build really cool um, you know, in terms of like art installations, right? And like different cool things with tech, right? And basically trying to, you know, break out into that field and trying to find that, you know, that person that you latch onto. Yes. Or, you know, uh, you know, build that next thing with, right? So my question is, right, like we have some really cool for Gunner right now, right? With Gunner? Yeah, Gunner, man. I know you're like really into with him and his camp, right? So like, how do how do we like get our to him, you know? We're gonna FaceTime him. Let's do it, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. What, you know, unfortunately, he's, oh, he's the best at it too. I thought he just picked up. I think the thing there is like, it's just taking at bats. Like, first of all, this was an at bat, yeah. and, it, and we missed, right? For he's sure. just not available. For sure. But you can DM him. Look, guys, there's a lot of interesting things that happen in the DMs. <laughs> One of them is business development. <laughs> like, your ability to take what you just showed me yeah. and DM gonna and Lil Baby, and like anybody that, and T Grizzly, and whoever the fuck you want to get to. For sure. All you need is one to say yes. For sure. Like, it's just at bats. Yeah, we man. just took an at bat. Yeah, man. Right? For sure. The last three times I FaceTime, he picked up. For sure. Right? For fans. This time he didn't. Hey. So that's just the way it is. But yeah. you don't need me to co sign that. You could just hit up people. For sure. For sure. I hear that. It's, it's literally just one at bat. You know? For sure. Appreciate you, man. You got it. Yeah, let's do, let's do like speed round because I feel bad for everybody standing up. Hey Gary, how are you? And only for USC students, please. Good bro, go ahead. Yeah. I'm Max. Um, my question for you is I work with my brother in app development and social media marketing a little bit. Yep. What's your suggestion for working with family but not fracturing the relationship? Love your brother more than money. And I definitely do. Then you'll be just fine. Thank you so much. You got it. Gary, my name is Devin. Um, so right now I am working uh, with my dad. I'm helping him with marketing for his manufacturing company. I know that with your father uh, in Wine Library, you kind of faced some resistance as you brought it uh, into the more e-commerce side. Am I correct? Yeah, just, just confusion, right? My dad was like, don't sit on the computer. You got to be on the floor selling wine. Okay. So it was a misunderstanding more of the technology on his end. There's, you know, there's always, I'm, I'm just sort of facing that same gap, I feel, in terms of marketing. You know, it's listen, and I, I wanna address it, because I like that last dude, like I understand that exchange, like I'm not, I'm not mad at him, I hope, he, I hope that nothing will make me happier than posting this clip in four years 
and showing that his company did a trillion. I got, I, there's a, a world of abundance. I want him to win. It's the same thing you're going through. My big point to him during that exchange is the same one I'm about to make to you, which is when there's a father or mother that runs the business in a family business, mm-hmm. when you're asking for money from somebody, you have to recognize that you're in the position of asking. And so what I did with my dad was I knew he had the power and then the reason I told him to go and execute and stick it to me is because that's what I want for him because that's what I did to my dad. What my dad did well was he gave me just enough room but what kids always don't do well with parents is when they get the opportunity, they have to understand they have to execute to give their parents more confidence but they go and shoot for the grand slam. I just hit singles. I just did 10% more okay. than we did a year ago on Saturday, which gave my dad, kids right now are, are just shooting for the moon and striking out. You're, you're, so, go ahead. So something you, you once said, uh, I just Please. remember, you said like advice uh, for somebody who wants to get cl- close to the CEO, get promoted fast. Yes. You said, we're, actually, that was the answer, just get close to yes. the CEO, get close get to cough. you. Get caught, right. Uh, and you said get done what you want done and only that, basically. Get done what? That person Get wants. done like the tasks that you you know you order and don't go above and beyond and try to do things that are. I don't remember the context, but keep playing with me here. And, okay, don't, wor- and I, don't worry about time. I know, like, I'm, let's hack a little bit. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm just like. I'm, what are you I'm, asking me? I'm curious uh, how you sort of uh, dealt with the the contrast between your knowledge of technology in that day and age and your father's and the resistance there. Because with respect. Okay. I respected my dad came here and worked as, like, kids don't respect what their parents did to get there. They have complete lack of context. They take it for granted, and they don't understand what the dirt was like to even get to this point. At the same token, I died on my sword. I communicated to my dad with respect. Now, I got lucky because my dad gave me more room than I see other people giving kid, people. Yes. But the reason he did that was because I worked in the liquor store every day when I was 14 and 15 and 16 and 17 and had shown him things that gave him a little more confidence. A bunch of kids never work in their family business, go to college, take a gap year, and then come back and think they're running when they've never been in the business. You've got employees that have been in the business that deserve respect. Well, you don't just come and be the heir apparent. So I rolled in with respect but yes. you need to continue to articulate it. Just, just, to, just to say, Please. I'm going in with, with the full mindset of trying to learn from my dad uh, you know, how he is a CEO, you're at, you're at the, I'm not you're working at, for money. You're at the mercy of how much room he'll be able to prove, give you to prove. I've been doing a good job so far. Better than the last guy. I believe that. By the way, I'm feeling good about this fight. Okay, so here's okay. my question. I don't feel bad. I'm I making, just want to make sure you didn't have I'm the wrong a ma- idea. I'm using you okay. to make a macro point, but coming Got back it. to you, I think it's a game of patience, potentially. Like, okay. like, right? Like, yeah, no, that's it. Does I that mean, make sense? You know, we're gonna have to liquor store fifteen to. Yeah, dude. I, that's like, it. It's patience, right? Like, just it's patience. like it's just patience, right? Like, it seems like if the biggest thing that your dad would do wrong is not give you the at bats. The, True. The biggest mistake that you would make is trying to hit a grand slam on every at bat. Okay. Excellent. Good questions. Good question. We're gonna lose the theater in a few minutes. Can that's- I- yeah. You're my man. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome, bro. Hold on. I want, I want to ask, oh, give me a minute. I want to ask, how many, how many students are here? How many students are here? How many students? Oh, excellent. How many students from, like, my class, Glenn's class? Okay. All right. I want students from my class and Glenn's class, any student, 
who has a quick takeaway or a quote or an insight that you learned today to line up at the mics. It's just as uh, Gary Vee requested. So I want my students, any student that has a, a quote or something they've learned today to come to the mics in a second. I want to come here. We don't have time for more questions. So guys, guys, there's, there's, there's a thousand people here. Not everyone gets a selfie. All right? All right? Seriously, he can't say no, I can. Let's, be, let's, let's, let's respect our guests. So any of our, any of our students ready? A few minutes? Okay. All right. You, you, it's unbelievable. What, uh, let's thank Gary V. first of all. Thank you. Thank so you. good. So good. Upper deck. My guys. My guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. The Gripe Center for Entrepreneurial Studies is the oldest entrepreneur program in the country. It started in 1971. And yes, you can teach entrepreneurship. <laughs> and not everybody is, uh, is ready to sort of take the leap at 22. Yeah. Um, we've, uh, we've got a great tradition. Uh, you know, some of our, our, uh, our alums have made us look very good, from the founder of Salesforce to MySpace to Kinko's to some company called Tinder. I, I don't know about it exactly, but I hear uh, it's doing well. Um, but uh, just a great tradition of entrepreneurs graduating from here. And uh, we, uh, we decided instead of giving you an award that we've already given is to create an award. And this is the first devil ever hustle award for the <laughs> entrepreneur. And this is the entrepreneur, to Gary Vaynerchuk. Thank you. Thank you. Gary V. Thank you. One more time for Gary V. Thank Go. you, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Gary V. It's been a great day to be a Trojan. It's been a great time having Gary V back here. He's our new, our I new, love you. Our, he'll hopefully be our adjunct professor of entrepreneurship uh, one day. But have a great week. It's a great day to be a Trojan. Fight on. Fight on. Thank you. Fight on. Hey guys, I hope you really enjoyed this episode of the Gary V Experience. Now go out and share this, pass it on, let me know what you thought.